Warning, we're not medical professionals. We're just two gross weirdos fascinated by bodily functions who read too much WebMD. This podcast will contain some pretty gross content, so listen at your own risk. Gross Podcast. Welcome to Gross Podcast. We're two gross babes. Talk about our own gross bodies and other gross bodily functions and phenomena. <laughs> Hi, I'm Katie, and this is Jessica, and we're in a fancy studio this week, so let's see how this goes. Fancy is really... <laughs> Way fancier than my <laughs> coffee table in my living room with our cell phones. We have real microphones. Heads up, you don't really need much equipment to start a podcast. <laughs> You just need to have a lot of time on your hands or to be able to create some time <laughs> by robbing the other parts of your life. Yep. Hey, Jessica, how's your body feeling? Um, I feel like since it's been so long since we recorded, my body has gone through a lot in the last few weeks. Yeah. Including recovering from a cold sore Woo! as per episode one and having weird cystic acne, which is fun. And actually icing it, as I did this weekend, uh-huh. uh, did work a little bit. Ooh. I think it brought down the inflammation. Jessica tried an, an ice roller on it, but you you didn't really roll. You just kind of held it there. Yeah, well, I rolled a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like the ice roller on my face. makes it feel nice. Sorry, I had to burp there. It's, this is a podcast where burping happens. I know. I should have just let it out. <laughs> let it burp. <laughs> Let it burn. I don't know any of the other words to that song. <laughs> Neither. I've never seen Frozen. Um, yeah, I don't know what else is going on with my body. Mostly, yeah, just weird face stuff. And otherwise, things are pretty all right. And actually, I feel like this was a pretty successful cor- cold sore flare-up because I managed to get a Breva immediately and I didn't have to go through like the super painful stage and it kind of just like crusted up and went away really fast. Perfect. It was beautiful. If I have to have a cold sore, I let it all be those cold sores. Yeah. <laughs> How's your body doing? Oh my God. My body is like totally letting me down right now. Um, I don't know if you follow our Instagram, but Jessica posted a picture of us flyering for something and I had a wet bandana over my face. And um, my stupid, defective human body is severely allergic to grass, which is everywhere around us, like, all the time. (laughs) And um, I was feeling totally fine this year until the grass bloom started uh, about a week and a half ago, and um, everything just went to shit. And I... um, I basically feel like I have a gigantic cold. And then last weekend, I also was basically covered in hives. 
and now I'm on five different kinds of medication, and I still have a really bad cough, uh, but I'm on steroids. I'm feeling great. <laughs> I have a sexy cold voice going. You're welcome. <laughs> Regular um, Scar Joe over there. Yeah, but I'm not really supposed to be spending time outside. I did today, um, which was okay because it rained um, yesterday, so... But mostly I'm, I'm just feeling like pretty uh, inadequate as a human being right now. And we had a pretty um, – it, it, it was our normal cycle of busy at work this last week. So it was the exact wrong time to basically get sick. So I, I'm looking forward to just one more day of that and then being able to relax and recover for the rest of June. The only thing that's really gross about that is the amount of snot that's been coming out of my body, which is of epic proportions. (laughs) I feel like it's unfair to be allergic to basically the outside. I know, and grass is like the only thing I'm allergic to, but there are people who are allergic to that and so much more. Yeah. All the trees and all the bushes and all of the like pet dander and, you know, like I feel like I, I mean, I'm really allergic to grass, but I feel like just having one one outside enemy like that is, like, it could be so much worse, so. I feel extremely fortunate that I've basically never had allergies. Well, they could be coming for you. <laughs> because Except of, for I kind of did when I was smoking, but that was probably just smoking. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of has some allergies, whether or not they show a lot of symptoms. Yeah. Um and the way that global warming is going, those things are just kind of getting worse as these plants, like, are blooming earlier and longer, and um, everywhere's drier, and so the pollen is, like, swirling up and around a lot more, and um, that's why, like, I've been on allergy shots for two years, and my allergies are still getting worse just because things are getting drier and hotter outside, so... I don't know. It could be coming for you. Sorry. <laughs> and maybe the world will explode by the time that I get allergies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could happen. Today we're talking about super fun subject, uh, death and dying. Death. <laughs> uh, which, as I was telling Katie earlier, is quite timely since that's basically all I'm talking about in therapy right now. So There's a lot of death going on yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. Maybe kind of... All the time, but, like, extra right now, it seems like. Yeah, maybe this is, like, really poor timing. Like, there's a lot of high-profile But people are always dying, so I feel like this this is an important thing to know. It's true. Um, Know what to expect. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not going to be there for it, so... What do you... (laughs) What to expect when other people die? Yeah, if you're lucky enough to attend a yeah. hanging, <laughs> which is mostly what I'm talking about. Some of this <laughs> stuff just just happens to everybody who dies, and and some of it we talked about before. Like when I talked about gangrene, and we talked about gaseous gangrene. Like basically, what's happening during that is a. Uh, a portion of what happens to the rest of your body when you die it's just happening while you're alive and it can kill you oddly enough but you, sometimes this stuff can happen while you're alive it's when a part of your body is dead yeah that's true that could happen to i anyone. don't know if there's been any cases of someone hanging their boner and then it still gets erect 
I would really love to hear more about this. Why don't you uh, dive right in? Well, since apparently I'm just eager to talk about, well, we originally were saying death erections is what it usually gets called, but it's not limited to penises. Um, it's called, the technical word for it is priapism. Priapism? Priapism. Isn't that just like an eterna boner? Uh, it's a boner you get when you die. Okay, I, for some reason I thought that's what they also called it when you, like, take too much Viagra, Viagra and you you just have a permanent boner. Uh, Is maybe, that something different? Maybe that's something different. Definitely a famous case of a priapism was because someone took too much Viagra and they died. And then they, like, died with a major boner. And it just stayed that way? Yeah. Whoa. I mean, until they uh, started, you know breaking down and rotting <laughs> but we'll talk about that part <laughs> that's your section uh-huh um but so they the not technical term for it is angel lust Ooh. um so it like has been recorded as primarily happening to people with penises but my guess is because that's actually visible uh but it can actually happen to any genitalia um when someone uh, usually if they die through some sort of uh, major trauma to like the brainstem or the cerebellum, based on the research I've done, I couldn't really find it like necessarily reason why this happened. They just know that there's something that happens to your genitalia when your like spinal cord is broken and your brain has damage. Like a lot of people basically have like a flood of fluids to their genitalia and it becomes aroused and in people with penises that becomes a boner so it was pretty common like when they did public hangings and things that like the people once they got hung would immediately get an erection like immediately i think so and i'm wondering i couldn't like find that much sciencey stuff on this but i'm wondering if that has a lot to do with like why people do the whole autoerotic asphyxiation thing um, oh. because there is sort of a connection between us being aroused and us having brain trauma to, like, a particular part of our brain. That's possible. So, yeah. But, well, I I wonder, like, do you think people are doing autoerotic asphyxiation in order to get boners, or do you just think that the, like, uh, that that physical rush of fluid is related to our emotional state of arousal i don't know i don't think anyone's figured that out i don't think people are doing it to get boners well supposedly though i mean people do some extreme (laughs) stuff but i mean i don't think it's like because you can't get a boner and you need (laughs) to hang yourself to get a boner i hope not um it's more like because I remember when What's-His-Face, that one celebrity from Kill Bill mm-hmm. um, died. And so at the time, I feel like everyone was reading about autoerotic asphyxiation. And it seemed like people were claiming um, that it made your orgasms better. People so... will claim a lot of things. <laughs> but I think that one has is a widely pursued phenomena. Yeah. And... Probably the only way to figure out if that's true is not very safe. So my guess is a lot of people are just curious because they hear that and then they make a horrible mistake. Um, 
not kink shaming in any sort of way, but messing around with choking is not very safe. Oh, people do that <laughs> a lot of the time because I think that you can um, – that's that's definitely like a little bit of a BDSM thing. That oh, definitely. But you've got to be careful. Like, yeah, you, you have do. to be so, so careful. you got to like make sure nobody passes out. And mm-hmm. I think, you know – I, in the case of David Carradine, it's it, it sounds like he was by himself. So yeah, so that seems like just dangerous because if you do pass out, there's no one there to revive you or or call the call medics or anything. But if you are with like a loving, safe partner, then like I don't know, push it to wherever you want to push it. I guess just as long as it's <laughs> as long as you have consent. Yeah, I just worry because. I have to do a bunch of, like, trainings on the, like, medical outcomes of strangulation due oh. to the work that I do. And strangulation is one of those scary-ass fucking things that you can think that it's not that bad. And then all of a sudden, like, two months ten or ten years down the line, you have, like, major brain injury. Okay. And so I just feel, like – from the amount of training that I've had on even mild strangulation, I just feel like it's something to be very careful if you're fucking around with and, like, maybe do a little bit of research before you get into that play. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> People do all kinds of things that fuck up their brains, though. Yeah, so. that's true. I mean, as long as you're making an informed decision. Yeah. I guess. And it, Yeah, a decision that's informed on the risks involved. Yeah. Because there's a lot of them. But anyway, um, so you can get uh, one of these priapisms. Okay, I did. Priapism. I did very quickly Google priapism. Yeah, and it is also a thing that happens to you when you're alive. It is yes, a that is what I was going to say. Prolonged and painful boner. Okay, go on. So just in general, a prolonged and painful boner. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess you can't feel pain after you're dead, but a prolonged and unwanted boner. Yeah. I, I don't know. What does a dead person want? <laughs> Uh, to be left a alone. prolonged <laughs> and inconvenient boner. Um, probably to not have a lot of people look at their boner. Probably, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are some people who would love to have their boners on display in perpetuity after they yeah, die. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it can happen to you whether alive or dead if you have spinal cord injury. So, okay. um, you could have a spinal cord injury and then have a priapism. And that seems really unfortunate because you're probably not going to want to do anything to take care of a boner when you've had a major spinal cord injury uh, <laughs> and you're still alive. Um, so as I was looking into this, for some reason, I just kept thinking of the uh, movie The World According to Garp. Where have you seen that? I have not seen it. Okay, so there's this whole premise, and it's kind of sketch and weird because it's like kind of rape. Um, But it's there's a scene where, like, how the main character was born was that his mom was like a nurse and um, like had sex with somebody who supposedly had like a priapism in death, and like he managed to ejaculate and she got pregnant. And 
that based in the context of that movie i feel like that actually wasn't possible because like the way that it was in the movies he just like died and happened to get a boner but he was like laying on a bed and was like i think supposed to be dying from some sort of like war gunshot wound but that's really not how it happens it seems to be like when it does happen it's very much connected to this whole like spinal cord injury lower like part of your brain injury so I just want to call bullshit on that movie because that wouldn't have been possible. But not to say that it was trying to be a totally accurate movie, but that's what I kept thinking about the whole time I was researching this. Imagine that, a Hollywood (laughs) movie with a plot hole. Yeah. Um, So, yes, it can happen to penises and vaginas, but, of course, like everything in the world, most of the information that's out there is just primarily about penises. And what happens when it's with the vagina or – um, like labia is more the better term uh, basically becomes engorged with like blood or other discharges and um, but a question that I had was like how do they know for sure that she just wasn't on her period <laughs> like if they're like oh she her vagina was like aroused but if she's like discharging blood well it's it it becomes engorged and discharges blood. Oh, both of those things. Yeah. Uh, At least that's what Wikipedia said. I think this is something that really warrants a lot more academic <laughs> research. Definitely necessary. And actually, academic we, research is one of the things that I'm going to get at to. Dead people's vaginas. Uh, I will get to who looks at dead people's vaginas. Is that a job? Yes. <laughs> uh, in just a moment. <laughs> So other uh, causes of death that have really like that have had this um, outcome, I guess is the word, are like fatal gunshots to the head and um, damage to major blood vessels and violent death by poisoning. But what it seems to be the kind of uh, biggest correlating factor is that it's a very sudden death. Like it's. And so in a way that like kind of makes sense to me that you get aroused because it just seems to correlate with like excitement in general, like, Hmm. or not like maybe excitement's not the right word, but you know, like taken by surprise, like it's just like all of a sudden you're just dying dying and it's like really extreme. And so, I mean, it makes me think of how like, you know, it's really common, um, I if I haven't said this on the show already like I am an advocacy counselor and so I have a really bummer job where I talk to people about bummer things but um it's like super common for people to have orgasms when they're being sexually assaulted and um and like so that's like one of the things that's like really hard for people to get over because they're like wait I don't understand like did I enjoy this and it's like really fucks you up psychologically yeah and so to me, though, it makes sense that, like, if there's – there seems to be some sort of thing that happens in our body that, like, there is some sort of connection between arousal and violence that seems to happen without our, like, consent internally almost. I think like, there's a whole bunch of crossed yeah. wires and neurons and stuff. Yeah, there's all these things that can happen to our bodies where we become aroused when there's, like, violent circumstances, mm-hmm. and that isn't necessarily, like – I mean, we could probably have a very long conversation about, like, 
the psychology of self and (laughs) things like that but like I think that a lot of people attribute like when bodily functions happen that there must be some sort of desire behind them like you wanted that to happen and sometimes arousal is just like you don't always get to choose when you shit like that just sometimes happens to people and they don't get to really like make a decision one way or the other right (laughs) and sometimes I mean I think our physical bodies are we're we're programmed thanks to evolution way before our current circumstances existed so yeah you know a lot of what's connected to your like evolution-based desires isn't always what's best for us in the modern world yeah I mean just for example like take the way that we feel and think about food and like Mm -hmm. if food wasn't as readily available as it is now the the way that we would want to eat all of the like sweet tasty things all that the we potatoes could find. and salt that my Irish ancestors have <laughs> you know bred that, into me <laughs> that would be great that would be healthy that would be um a thing that would help us survive whereas like mm-hmm. now we constantly have to fight that bodily desire in order to stay healthy in this world and I think that maybe that's one of those things where like I don't know if you were a, a like female-bodied animal or human like maybe you used to have to um those things used to go together in order to like make sense of your world or to like make it bearable yeah i mean when you think when you think about like probably just like a place that your brain goes and it's like you know what powerful amazing thing that we can do right now that will make you like not feel as horrible about this other thing happening that we don't seem to have control over yeah because you you look at like animals having sex in the wild a lot of the times it looks a lot like rape yeah and like so I feel like there's also got to be something there maybe too that's like our bodies kind of taking care of ourselves in like a moment of death and if you are going out and at least it feels like a fucking orgasm or something could be worse like you know maybe it's just your body being like here you go sorry it had to come to this like oh that was not meant to be a pun but it was (laughs) (laughs) sorry it had to come to this But, you know, there could be something there to I hope that. that's the title <laughs> of your memoir. Sorry, I had to come to this. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Post-mor- post-mortem preopism is an indicator that death, death was likely swift and violent. The one fun fact is that there are many depictions of Jesus with an erection. What? <laughs> I've never seen the good one. old Roman Catholic Church suppressed those images in the Renaissance or Ooh. after the Renaissance because it was in the Renaissance when it got super popular to paint Jesus with a death erection. Ah. And then good old Catholics were like, oh no, we can't have that. And they tried to get rid of them all. But some still exist, and you can find them if you Google search Jesus with an erection. But you'll probably find lots of other things, too. Yeah. Well, I remember, I, th- I feel like there have been modern art exhibitions where somebody has painted Jesus mm-hmm. with an erection, and, like, everyone gets all riled up and mad about it. Yeah. That just is wonderful. That is something that used to exist aplenty. Yeah. There was, like, it was, like, a trend. It was, like, a thing. Uh, that they would paint Jesus with a, with a boner. 
I just really like the idea of people a couple hundred years ago being like, you know what's hot right now? <laughs> Jesus with a boner. But I think it wasn't necessarily a sexual thing. It was like they knew that when people got crucified, like they yeah. pro- they had boners. Like it was like to be like um, scientifically accurate. So that happens to people when they get hanged? Well, I guess if your crucifixion is, is like, involves swift and sudden violence, then yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. I feel like... No, like, when you get hanged with a rope. Yes, when you get hung with a rope, that is probably the most common time that it happens. Huh. Uh, Because that is, like, a that's involving kind of all the key factors. Like, it's a spinal cord, uh, cerebellum injury... And uh, it's swift and it's violent. And so that's most likely when it's going to happen. Is that something that was supposed to, like, add to the humiliation of a public hanging? Or is it something that, I mean, it sounds like if if people were celebrating, I don't, well, maybe the (laughs) Jesus Association isn't celebrating so much as attempting to be realistic. But it almost sounds like people were celebrating in, in that sense. But less I of mean, a celebration when you people used to like attend those things like the super bowl yeah and i i mean i think a part of it was just like nothing to do with boners it was like yeah. oh yeah this shitty person's finally getting killed yeah which like there are a few people in this world i would probably attend their public hanging i won't lie yeah and a lot <laughs> of those i mean i don't think we have to go into this because it should be pretty clear but a lot of those hangings that have taken place are completely unwarranted yes and also yes. <laughs> you, i don't believe in the, the death penalty anyways but um a jury's still out for me <laughs> i there's a lot of horrible people in this world but i in it does it happen is it like you you drop and your boner goes up like a light I switch or is there a delay quick. i think it's it's pretty quick it's like that blow happens and you get a boner. Okay. Or your labia become engorged. Or your intersex genitalia become engorged. <laughs> I'm super interested in this labia engorgement thing because you said that you also discharge blood. I mean, I don't know if that's like every single time, but it talks about how... Like, where's the uh, blood coming from? And by it, I mean Wikipedia talks about how there's often like uh, genital discharges when there's a violent death. And I think it's similar to like you piss your pants a lot of times when there's a violent death. You like will shit yourself when there's a violent death. So I think it's just kind of like your body just goes like and everything comes out. So like people, yeah, will have just kind of like vaginal discharge in general uh people with penises can have um oh, i'm so bad at pronouncing words prostatic fluid uh come out of their penis uh other kinds of mucus oh just just the random mucus that's hanging out in your body yeah i mean i don't have a penis so i don't know if that's like a normal thing for penises to like discharge the mucus it's definitely normal for vaginas to discharge some mucus yeah. if you hung me right now how much mucus do you think would come out of my face because <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot in there I mean, it's more it, – the hanging would happen more in the face region, so I would think that, yeah, your your nose would just spill it. Yes. Don't do that, please. <laughs> I'm not ready to go. <laughs> so I have some other fun facts besides the small amount of information that I found out there about 
angel lust. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I found that uh, a lot of people talked about uh, that was similar to uh, death boners was the Lazarus reflex. Have you heard of this? No. Uh, it seemed to me that this must be why people draw zombies the way that they do mm-hmm. because it's super common, I guess, when somebody uh, goes brain dead or has like brainstem failure and uh, their reflexes kind of start going, they'll just like throw their hands up in front of them and then cross them on their body. Like, and that's supposedly why people hypothesize or people hypothesize that that's why uh, Egyptian tombs show like the arms crossed because a lot of bodies will just do that. Weird. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like two reflexes, one where they go up. Yeah. And then another where they like drop across your chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So up like a zombie, down like a mummy, which sounds like a song from the early 2000s (laughs) anyway so that's totally bonkers to me and obviously it was named after Lazarus from the bible and it's kind of sad though because like people will be visiting their family member that's kind of on death's door and maybe they're on respirators and they like take them off the respirator and they're like okay we're pulling a plug and everything oh so it happens like right after i think so i think yeah pretty quickly after and so families will be in the room and then they'll like see this happen and it'll be like really disturbing hopefully the boner happens first (laughs) i don't think it does with pulling you off of life support okay Uh, i don't know how quickly it happens but it happens enough quickly enough that it sounds like families have seen this yeah and it's been like super disturbing for them because they think that like no they've come back to life and like really it's just like they probably warn people. I think that they do. Stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, other like you can doesn't can't your body like release all kinds of noises and stuff after you die? Yeah. So that's actually kind of next on my list. Oh, perfect. Because <laughs> one of the things that I came across was like several uh, craziest mm-hmm. things that uh, morticians have seen. And one of them was that your body will twitch a lot of the times after it dies. One guy said that he saw a – do you call them cadavers if they're not, like, being dissected for science? Oh, yeah. Cadaver? Yeah. He saw a cadaver. He saw a dead body, like, uh, saw its fingers start to move. He said, like, it was playing piano. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Which is really – fucking scary <laughs> um yeah so other things that your body can do that uh like morticians have seen happen is it'll groan sometimes especially when you're moving a body ah. because it like basically there's just still air trapped in your body and mm-hmm. then when you move it it'll the air might go through and like hit your vocal cords and then it'll sound like a groan yeah. Um, also, your muscles are all, um, all relaxing mm-hmm. right after you die. So, uh, there's probably things that were held in before that are no longer held in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how fucking creepy would that be if you are like moving a dead body and it's just like, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> is that what they prep you for in oh, mortuary they school? They must. I feel like there, there's got to be a big like psychological element to it that's like, you're going to see some surreal shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a reason why like those kind of businesses are really uh, – family run yeah because I think unless you grow up in that environment it's probably really hard to find it pretty normal and to like adjust to something that we kind of avoid in Mm -hmm. our culture and I actually had a friend growing up who uh lived in a funeral home I used to hang out this is like probably part of the reason why I am a fucking weirdo but I used to hang out with my friend who lived in a funeral home all the time when I lived in Iowa as a child. <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite building in Bellingham? Like, if somebody was like, here is an extra couple hundred thousand dollars, what place do you want to buy is a funeral home. Which one? It's the one on Broadway and... Oh, yeah. Um, um, I'm forgetting the, the name of... Eldridge, Broadway yeah. and Eldridge. And it just looks like a tiny... Um, like 60s does gothic church with these like Mm. really vibrant stained glass areas and i've never been inside of it but i love the outside and it just seems like the perfect building to convert into sort of like a a lofted semi-industrial home space it's probably got a a killer (laughs) shop in it right yeah but um Uh, killer yeah i know um but I, I always wonder, as like, you know, if that opportunity ever did come up, like, ha, like, what would that place feel like? Would that be weird? I mean, oh, I'm sure every, it would be weird. But. All the houses we've lived in have had someone die in them. Yeah. Do like, you think, like, no, I mean, no one probably dies in that building. I mean, they're all dead before they go there, right? Broke into our apartment and masturbated. So before you live there, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> things happen. There are are. Spaces hold a lot of secrets. (laughs) Unless you buy a house that's brand new and you know that no construction workers were killed on the job. I guess that's the only way to know. But I bet there's construction workers that masturbate in their (laughs) development. But, you know, we live on stolen land, so who knows what happened there before it was even built. America's an Indian graveyard. So So there's secrets in all kinds of spaces and places. Yeah. Um, but I think funeral homes are like a they they're such a like unique space. And I, if anybody wants to invite me to be your funeral buddy at that tiny funeral home on the corner of Broadway and Eldridge, I will go with you. <laughs> well, I think part of the reason why they're always so gorgeous is twofold. One, that is major job security yeah uh two they don't want people to feel bad when they're coming to a funeral home like you know they know that people are in like such a hard time and so they have these beautiful structures usually Mm -hmm. because they want people to feel comforted and they want people to feel like you know they're not dropping their you know dead family member off at some you know like low rate motel (laughs) yeah you know like so absolutely so I did a little bit of research on that for my half of this discussion and I don't know if it's called mortuary school the sort of school that morticians (laughs) go to 
um, which is the the only thing you need a license for related to death is is for embalming. Mm. Um, but I don't believe you need any kind of license to do cremation or burial or anything. Really? Yeah. And so that doesn't seem right. Well, here's the thing <laughs> is that like mostly it's a pretty like normal and somewhat sterile process and yeah. um in other cultures like embalming the way that we do it now where we basically like pump somebody full of formaldehyde or, mm. or another substance in order to remove all of the um the bacteria inside of them that would cause their body to decay that's a really modern thing and yeah. it, it's really strange to a lot of other cultures and that's the thing that you need the certificate or license mm-hmm. for and we also have this perception in our like westernized culture that a body should be sealed up in death to protect it and which is weird can we just talk about how fucking weird that bodies is? don't work that way <laughs> that's that's the thing so part of what i studied is how your body decomposes after you die and when we were talking about this before doing research for this episode, we were calling it body kombucha <laughs> or body booch. And um, my roommate and I started making kombucha, so I brought in some of our first batch of that as my beverage for mm. this session. The scoby that you had to pull out of there was real gross. It was not a full and made me scoby. not want to try any. It was it was a little mucusy. It was a little bit of slug. It, 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 <laughs> it looked like what would come out of my vagina if I were hung. It you know, it is <laughs> it was not any worse than what I have occasionally pulled out of a bottle of store bought kombucha or swallowed Ugh. from a bottle of store bought kombucha. It happens. <laughs> Um, but we did have fun. There was one scoby that we pulled out of a second ferment bottle that looked like a, like a piece of silicone. Oh, it was it was very like fake boob intact. Uh huh. And then rubbery. And I even like bit it to see what it was like. It did. It tasted very <laughs> neutral. Yeah. It tasted even more neutral than the liquid that it was floating in. But it was, it was very plasticky. It was really. It was. This whole process has been very interesting. Learning to ferment. Things. Does your body make its own fake boobs when it dies? I do not believe so, <laughs> but your um, chest and abdomen will bloat pretty spectacularly. Amanda if... Lepore is like, how do I get on that? <laughs> um, yeah. So what happened? There's there's five major stages of decomposition. There is fresh decomposition. There is the bloat, there's active decay, advanced decay, and then dry or remains or whatever happens afterwards. So the bloat is what I would, <laughs> would lo- love to share with you. Um, and there, in this period, you have both aerobic and anaerobic um, metabolis- m- metabolizing happening. Um, metabolization. Metabolization is that yeah. a, is that the word? <laughs> I I I wrote down metabolism, but I don't think it's correct in that context. I don't know. If you know, tell us. <laughs> so there are types of decomposition that happen when you're exposed to oxygen, and there are types that happen when you're not exposed to oxygen, like bacterial um, decomposition. And through all combinations of these things, 
you will start to accumulate gas in your um, abdominal cavity. So when you die and your immune system shuts down, it stops suppressing the growth of bacteria in your intestines and other parts of your body. And your intestines tends to be where this starts. If you've ever studied anything that has to do with like celiac disease or your bodily response to um, dairy and other things, it's it can be an immune response because we have a really, like our immune system is really in play in our digestive system. It, it has... Um, it oversees this like protective barrier in our digestive system and so when you die and that goes away um, your that barrier goes away and your gut bacteria start digesting your gut they start digesting your intestines and then moving outward from there and so um, you your body like your stomach will become distended and um, as this like ruptures and escapes through your intestines it will start to move through your circulatory system and your lymphatic system into the other parts of your body and then start working its bacterial magic there as well <laughs> bacterial um, magic bacterial magic <laughs> um and one cool thing that happens with that is that um some of your the anaerobic bacteria in your intestines um, will transform hemoglobin into um, sulfhemoglobin sure. and other colorful pigmented bacteria and, and um, chemicals. And those will also travel through your different circulatory systems and give your body this marbled appearance Ooh. of like yellows and purples and reds and blues. I want a wallpaper of that. Uh, you could probably find something similar. <laughs> you may have to design it yourself. Um, and then the end of that stage, like during this whole thing, we've, we've got some maggot stuff going on on the outside. And no maggots on the wallpaper. <laughs> um, and so some of this, this gas that builds up in your body um, and also liquids, um, it's gas and liquids and it <laughs> makes your tissues frothy (laughs) yeah enough um those that can come out of your orifices but what more often happens is that um the maggots feeding on you will create other ruptures in your skin and this will come out of those and i thought it was really interesting is that your skin which is an organ in your as part of your body um it actually takes the longest to decomposer it can last the longest if it's not being um digested by maggots um, because it can pull oxygen through osmosis um just by being in contact with the air so if nothing is actively destroying your skin it will kind of shrivel and become leathery but it just everything inside of it will decompose and it may not or it it will take a lot longer to do so um and so, um, one thing I thought it was really important to mention here, because it's super gross, is that as your body is releasing all of these fluids, as it's, they call it purging, as it's purging all of the accumulated fluids that are created through this, decom- basically as your organs liquefy, um, it creates a pool around the body, and it 
it turns your body into what they call the cadaver composition island or CDI. Oh, oh no. You become an island in your own putrefied organ liquid. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? <laughs> Keep going to different songs. I am an island. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the key factors in decomposition are your um, like cellular access to oxygen or bacteria's access to oxygen, um, and that can make it faster or slower if it's limited access. Um, the second factor is your access to insects, because um, there are some places, I mean, I mean, there are some kinds of beetles and stuff that will eat your body while it's it's living, but um, I think there, are, if during standard conditions in like the tropics, a dead body can be um, decomposed down to the bones within two weeks just from like whatever insects are around because you also have um, heat which speeds things up and um, like if standard access to oxygen like if something's on the surface of the ground um, and then the third thing is your intestinal flora because that's what starts the process inside as your intestines start to decompose and I thought it was really interesting they, they mentioned babies who have never ingested food, which is really sad that there are babies who've never ingested food. And well, unless it's an abortion. I, yeah, I think those, <laughs> those 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 bodies usually decompose in other ways. <laughs> but um, babies who've never ingested food will generally uh, naturally mummify, even if they are exposed to air huh. and heat, because there's nothing driving that that decomposition and their their skin will generally keep um, the other signifiers that might alert flies and maggots to come it, it kind of keeps those um, intact so oh. um, yeah and so that's the other thing is that like um, the the way that we generally associate or the smell that we associate with death um, is as your cells die they release enzymes that actually notify local bacteria and fungi oh, that's fascinating. of the event. So, yeah. like, they're telling things in your environment to come decompose you. Did you read that they're, they, I don't know who they is, some scientists are trying to synthesize the scent of death? Whoa, why? Because um, it'll help like train dogs and things to find uh people when uh there's been natural disasters yeah. and stuff that is really interesting it it also it might be um difficult because some of the the smells that happen as your body is decomposing like the um the hydrogen sulfide that your body can create is also the same um it smells very similar to natural gas and gases mm. that are released by volcanoes and um, some of the smells that also might be present in the case of a natural disaster where a gas line might rupture or yeah. as part of a volcanic explosion. But that's just one scent and there are all kinds of scents. Yeah, the article death. that I read sounds like they're getting real meticulous. Yeah, and yeah. dogs have amazing noses, so I'm sure that they – I think there are dogs that already do that too. So Yeah. But – it's not something that they've done synthetically. Yeah. I don't know why else they would want death scent. Maybe some sort of, like, postmodern perfume. I was going to say, super gothy perfume. <laughs> uh, the scent of death. Makes sense. 
So they're in the process of embalming somebody um, stops this from happening and can basically like preserve somebody's body perfectly and perpetually. Um, if if somebody is um, usually what the way that we uh, embalm bodies for Western funerals is is not total, um, I guess like protective like you can't totally protect a body and so it's it's pumped with formaldehyde or something to keep it looking nice through the funeral and burial process but you can permanently do this um ava peron of argentina uh her body madonna with <laughs> the woman that madonna played in the movie um her body was pumped full of paraffin oh. and she was on display Isn't that what they put in like that's shampoos what, and shit that's what candles are made out of it's uh, a, a byproduct of plastics processing it's a type of wax and um that her body is apparently still perfectly preserved although it's no longer on display and wow. um an, another way that we do this is to um pump bodies through with something like formaldehyde and then keep them suspended in this liquid which also prevents that outside of your body from decomposing and um, Lennon had, yeah. was involved with us, so you can go see him in his mausoleum thing, which is... I heard it's really gross looking. Yeah, right up our alley. <laughs> um, but If anyone wants to send us to go see Lennon's dead body. <laughs> Mao Zedong and Ho Chi Minh's bodies are also done this way, so are Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, and you know, presumably that will continue down the family line. And um, Hugo Chavez also oh, really? has, has this done to his body, or his family did this to his body as well. I don't know if it's on display, um, but he died in, I believe, 2013, so that's pretty recent. Yeah. Um, I would go see Ava Perone's body. Yeah. <laughs> that one is no longer on display. I'm sorry to disappoint. Bummer. Didn't someone steal Lennon for a little bit or something? I don't know. I thought there was a thing about that. Or he went missing because he was, like, on a tour. And then there was some conspiracy theory, I think, that, like, that's not the real Lennon. What would you do with that if you stole it? Like, what, what would that be worth to someone? I'm sure it would go for something on the black market. And then, some, like, somebody would just pay to keep that secretly in their house? Dude, I know someone in Seattle, and their boss is one of those crazy tech guys. He has a fucking T-Rex in his house. A real one? Yeah. That's kind of cool, though. <laughs> you know, there's some billionaire out there that would just love to be, like, I have the real Lennon. <laughs> right, but you can tell people you have a T-Rex. I mean, I'm guessing he didn't buy that on the black market, right? I don't know. But, like, if you can't go around telling people that you have, like, that you stole or you had someone steal <laughs> Lennon's embalmed body and it's just hanging out, like, in your billiards room or something. You can tell something. the other billionaires that you know and they'll keep all your secrets because you're already, like – sex trafficking and whatever billionaires do <laughs> good point they already keep a lot of way Dirty more secrets. harmful secrets for each other probably wouldn't be an issue at all so um we touched on this earlier but because your bodies build up all these gases um if you don't do this embalming process those gases have to release and they release by through ruptures in your body. So, um, like I said, normally 
uh, maggots will help take care of that for you. Thanks, uh, maggots. <laughs> Thanks, maggots. You do a great job. Um, but if there are no maggots, like if you happen to die in a, a sealed space, or if your body is decomposing in a sealed space, um, it will explode. Uh, likely. It will likely explode. Um, <laughs> that's because um, the there is too much gas and not our, our orifices are all somewhat protected from it. And I think if you, like, <laughs> on this way to explosion, you will probably end up with some prolapses as well where, like, organs and things will get um, pushed out of your body as this gas is trying to push its way out. Oh, so, man. Um, and like we said, like, this, the skin survives the longest so the gas like really has to work hard to get its way out so um this is the same thing that happens like if you hear of beached whales exploding oh yeah um because they they have the same thing they decompose from the inside and if that gas isn't able to uh to to burp which is what they actually (laughs) call it if it isn't able to burp through other places the the whale can explode um and um, if you are not properly embalmed before you are sealed into uh, something like a mausoleum, um, you, not only will your body explode, but you might also blow through whatever um, you are encased in, whatever kind of tomb or a sort of cabinet that is like some some mausoleums that have more of like a stacked cabinet structure um well, and apparently some of them are airtight which yeah is which is a recent a thing terrible idea so the like i was talking about how like western mortuary tradition of embalming people um is i think it's only about like 150 years old less than 200 years old so we used to not do that to people um, we used to put them in, uh, like, wooden coffins that weren't, like, not airtight, not sealed. They might that be nailed. also decompose. Right. <laughs> they might be nailed shut, but they could also decompose, and there was enough, like, flex and breathability in the wood that gases would be able to escape through them. And in the older mausoleums that you can see around the world, there would be, um, holes in the um compartments Mm -hmm. and so like i read an article about one guy who would you he was walking through and he would look into these little holes with a flashlight and you can just see people's bones they're like whatever kind of cloth they were wrapped in or if there was a coffin in there you can see parts of the decomposed coffin but the holes made it so that these structures didn't explode yeah um and so sometime in the 1800s they stopped putting those holes in them or they thought that by embalming the bodies um, that it would keep them from decomposing and exploding, and it doesn't. Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> Unless your body, like, really is done decomposing. There's there's no physical way to stop, I guess, unless you pump yourself full of paraffin. Um, there, there doesn't really seem to be a way to prevent it from happening. And so um, a, a lot of... Uh, funeral homes will advertise embalming services that will protect your loved one's body in perpetuity and that is almost entirely a scam because they literally yeah. can't 
and if they they offer to like like a sealed like a coffin that's supposed to keep this body safe and intact forever that doesn't work either because you will blow the coffin open yeah i saw something about like people suing uh like the folks that work at a graveyard because Mm -hmm. they knew i'm guessing there's probably like noises that are happening they're making it obvious it's about to explode and so they were opening these airtight coffins and letting some of the gases out so that it wouldn't just like become a bomb inside this mausoleum and like they were suing the like caretakers of the cemetery for that when really what they were trying to do is prevent your grandpa from being a human bomb yeah and since they discovered this was an issue or you know as they've constructed better quality mausoleums over time they don't just put a hole that you can go look into they they have kind of an elaborate venting and drainage system in the back so that um, it, it every all the air and the smells and the foul liquid that you slowly turn into is vented like out the back of the building through some kind of filtration system. And so anybody who goes in to visit it isn't exposed to these things um, in any sense. Uh, they can't see it. They can't smell it. They don't even know what's happening. It just it seems really weird to me that we've done that. We, we like like removed ourselves so far yeah. from an, an inescapable process. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. I have said before that I genuinely feel like I would just want someone to bury me in a shallow grave in the woods, which I guess you can't actually do and is illegal. But to <laughs> me, that just makes sense. Like, put me in the earth. That's where I'm supposed to be. And it's crazy to me that people – like, what are you going to do with your person's body if you preserve it? You're not going to go back and look at it. Oh, people – well, people do, <laughs> especially um, religious people do that. Really? Yeah. Like, I look mean, at the body itself? Uh, well, no. Um, but, like, like go you're not to gonna where, touch it. You know, where the body well, is. Well, of course, you go to, like, graveyards and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but, like – what are you going to do if it's like six feet underground and embalmed and why why is that necessary <laughs> yeah when when you could essentially do the same thing if this person was just planted in the earth like a yeah a seed and i mean just let honestly, to go wild. that person could just like not be there and how the fuck would you know well you know a lot of cases they are not there there are a lot of shady funerals who yeah i'm less so now but um like in London as the population sort of like overtook a lot of the space that they had for these funerals they were like stacking people in graves or they would open up graves and take out old bodies mm-hmm. and put new ones in them and um or sometimes there have been like churches that have settled and then the ground has like popped out a coffin have oh, you heard yeah. of that uh-huh. <laughs> all kinds of stuff can happen but that is one thing that they have they do in these mausoleums is they they do like go through and burp these spaces yeah. like burping a baby. Oh, that's a crazy ass job. <laughs> Just to make sure that uh, <laughs> that it doesn't um, surprise anybody. And there have been stories of mausoleums actually exploding or like Whoa. busting out the door and like liquid flowing down the steps oh, of the man. mausoleum from a, a, a tomb that was not properly burped. 
I want to be on a hill and see that happen, like, far away from far you. Far away from me. I'm sure uh, you would be able to smell <laughs> it far and wide. Oh, God. Yeah. So, um, the last thing that I want to talk about in regards to this, which is probably the grossest thing, um, is called coffin birth. Yes. And <laughs> it's, it's also known as postmortem fetal extrusion. So, when we talked about earlier, I said that um, sometimes as the gases are pushing out of your body, it can cause kind of a prolapse, which um, prolapses happen in living people, too. It's where your something comes out of you that's not supposed to. So a lot yeah, of like times, a baby. Well, <laughs> a baby's not necessarily a prolapse. <laughs> But a lot of times, like, part of our um, our colon will come out as a prolapse. Oh, yeah. Or part of yeah. your vagina will come out as a prolapse. Or other organs will prolapse into your vagina and push out. They thought my cat had that, and it was really just a little piece of poop <laughs> stuck to her butt. <laughs> Prolapses are actually really common, um, especially in the aging population and relating to pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of things. But um, – they can definitely happen after you die. And so if a woman, if a, if a uterus-having person was pregnant at the time of death, the buildup of intra-abdominal gases can actually push the fetus out of this person's body through the relaxed vaginal opening. And basically what happens it, is it pushes the whole uterus down and out and forces it to turn inside out and pop <laughs> the baby out. Oh. Which does not happen when you give birth as a live person. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and it's, it is more common in um, people who are multiparous. Those are people who have already given birth hmm. to someone as opposed to someone with their first um, pregnancy or birth um, because the cervix as uh, I don't want to say it's more relaxed because mm-hmm. everything is relaxed after you're dead um, but I uh, it's more elastic I yeah. believe is the correct term and these are babies that died in along with their mom yeah so there is one case of this um, historically that was recorded in the 1500s about a woman who was hung uh, in the Spanish Inquisition oh. And they said four hours after her hanging, two dead infants fell from oh, her. Oh, that's really gross and sad. But most of the time, they expect this takes a lot more than four hours. Mm-hmm. And um, in most of the cases, it happens because the person's body hasn't been discovered for so long that the baby, if it was viable, is definitely no longer viable by the yeah. time it's discovered. Um, and it, it is not a super common occurrence, um, I guess, thankfully. Um, and it, they suspect from some of the other cases that they know, it, it generally takes about three days to happen hmm. um, for you to get the, the gas buildup that's that strong. Um, and there have been some recent cases there was a case in 2005 where they um found a woman who had died of a heroin overdose and she oh, had that's real sad. Th- it, they caught this body in the middle of the fetal extrusion so its head and shoulders were sticking oh. out um it was not it was what not alive that? 
bodies. I hope they went to therapy. Also, I mean, it's important to note that this is something that is, it's, it's, it's happening at different stages of pregnancy. So mm. I, I wasn't able to get the detail on these stories about like the, the, um, the viability of these fetuses, but more than likely they were not at a stage of development where they yeah. would have been viable outside of the womb had they been saved. Yeah. Um, and then in 2008, um, they did find a woman in Panama who I think was found like in the middle of a cornfield and mm. um, she had had gone through a complete coffin birth, a complete postmortem wow. fetal extraction and they said that they found the fetus um, in her undergarments oh. with the umbilical cord and placenta and everything still attached. Gross. Yeah. So in that case, it sounds like it was um, small enough I mean, if you try to think like a, a full-term baby, those undergarments yeah. would not be on you by the time it was out. So Yeah. Um, One of those ones from the anti-abortion ads. <laughs> there's there's no way that that fetus <laughs> was viable. So, um, But it's just like, how metal is that? <laughs> you can Your body is just like, get it out. Give birth after death. I will say in general – I mean, at some point we'll have a birth episode, and birth is just one of the most metal things mm-hmm. I think a body can do. It's pretty hardcore. Super. I have a question. Did you read about how your nails grow after you die? I read that they don't actually yeah. grow after yeah. you die. It's your skin retreating. Yeah. Which is crazy. It just gives the illusion of them going. Do you, I didn't. I didn't read like how how far it it pulls back though. I don't know, but just the idea of you having. I mean, I know that. I don't know, like you having nails up inside your finger. I know your nails are actually pretty long. Like, they, I mean, we're not like iceberg territory, but yeah, there's probably a good like another length of half of your nail that's up inside in your nail bed yeah yeesh um i think that also happens to your hair as well oh yeah yeah it does so you can have you can finally have those beautiful long eyelashes in your death (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that corpse's eyelashes are just looking good (laughs) maybe it's maybelline maybe she's dead (laughs) (laughs) i hope someone says that about me at some point in my life (laughs) um so I talked about before the that people study bodies, and there's apparently, like, one place that they study dead bodies in the United States. And Just it one? Is, well, like, one hub of okay. studying dead bodies, and it's called the body farm. No! Uh, really? Yeah. It's like an academic thing. I think it's through uh, is that, University of Tennessee. It's that's, in Knoxville. That's actually what it's officially called? Yeah. Like, it's the University of Tennessee body farm? Pretty much. Whoa. Uh, but, yeah, so this researcher uh, named William K. Bass. So William K. Bass wanted to study decomposition and decided on this property that he was just going to watch a dead body, like, that was donated to science, decompose, and take notes and whatnot. And by 2007, 
150 cadavers had been donated. Like, people actually volunteered their bodies to be mm. like, I want my body to go to the body farm. Mostly volunteers, apparently, which is, like, why where are the others coming from? But um, <laughs> whatever. And so what they do is really freaky and i'm assuming there's got to be like security and stuff so that people don't just like stumble onto this farm because they're putting bodies into a bunch of different scenarios so that they can study how bodies decompose under different circumstances so they're like dead body in water dead body in clothes naked dead body dead body in a car like all these different things Mm -hmm. so there's just decomposing dead bodies all over this fucking property so if you die and you want your body donated to science this is probably where it goes like they're gonna just like watch your body decompose in a car or something Well, you could like stipulate this is where i want my body to go like in your will which i kind of do I mean, like, well, this I would is definitely pretty cool. I would definitely stipulate like what I would like done with my body after I die. But yeah, huh. but it's like helping forensics. It's like helping people solve crimes. Yeah, like, I assume it's probably only intact bodies that go there as well. So if you yeah sign up yeah. to be an organ donor or something, you probably don't get to participate in something I don't like know. that. Maybe, but yeah, it's he also has like the world's or one of the world's largest collections of human skeletons. And uh, sounds like a dream boat. Is he I, single? <laughs> I think he's super old. Oh. And yeah, I I really want to go to this place. Um, I have a friend who just moved to that area. I believe she is a gynecologist. Oh. Oh, I was gonna ask about that earlier because I, I ask, is there a job? Is it somebody's job to look at? dead vaginas well i would assume it would be william k bass's job <laughs> well i was gonna ask if we have forensic gynecologists do I you think know, that's, a that's field? what i want to be <laughs> no i hate science i don't want to do that it's a that's a lot of school because you got to be like a gynecologist and you have and to you study have to be forensic a forensic scientist I w- yeah, we're too I old know. to do that no we're way too old <laughs> we would have had to have started that at 18 <laughs> yeah oh that would be great though yeah. Um, if you had to go back in time and reroute your career, would you pick something gross like that? I mean, um, I did a career reroute like just about five years I don't ago. have a career. <laughs> yeah, I do. I just I just started my career. It is not body related. It is almost as unbody related as you could possibly be. I am an accountant. Um <laughs> But and and I like it, but there's all this stuff like this that I'm definitely interested in. Yeah. And when I learned that mortuary school is only two years, I was like, well, if I gotta pull another 180, like maybe that's yeah. something that you would look into. I actually, uh, me and another coworker had taken some tests uh, for like what you should be when you grow up or whatever and it said for both of us to be funeral directors (laughs) and it really like I actually feel like that would be a really good field for me because I already do like basically grief counseling and Mm -hmm. so I really wouldn't mind being a funeral director well (laughs) 
who knows maybe that uh <laughs> that small funeral home on broadway in eldridge is in my future yet and we'll just open up the feminist funeral home <laughs> oh my god that sounds like it would be so cool uh, feminist funerals also we won't put you in a coffin <laughs> we will let your body naturally decompose and you will become one with mother earth yeah also i did read though that um we think of of dead and decomposing things as being really good fertilizer but it turns out that that's only true like after your dry decomposition oh. is done and and your remains are like um i don't want to say like powdered but after they're like broken up and spread around but mm-hmm. if somebody places you like on a bed of grass to decompose um the chemicals that leach out of your body will actually kill most of the vegetation in a a small radius around you and underneath you so we are not naturally good fertilizer by ourselves just like other compost it takes a little bit of um outside work so yeah, so you got to keep that body in your basement until it's done some, <laughs> <laughs> some work on itself. Till you before. can compost it with everything else. You know there's a serial killer out there that's like composted sh- like bodies or something. Well, I think generally like if you if you're home composting, you're not supposed to put meat in there. So I assume bodies fall into that category. Yeah, but I thought you only weren't supposed to put meat in there cuz it attracts rats. Oh, maybe that's true. I don't know. That's why my dad doesn't put me in there. Uh, body stargate. <laughs> um, I I mean I would love the opportunity for my body to grow some fabulous um, vegetables or flowers or yeah. I mean I don't I don't really care about flowers. I would love for it to grow some fabulous vegetables or trees or not fucking grass. I will tell you that <laughs> I do not want my body growing any grass right now. I'm so mad at grass. But maybe maybe that's how you get back at grass though. Like have your body buried in someone's front yard and kill all of its fucking grass. <laughs> who, who do I hate enough to do that? <laughs> Probably no one. No one. I don't want to do that to anybody. Just the grass. Just put, just put me in a grassy Death field. To grass. Throw me in a meadow. <laughs> right in the middle of all the grass. Are we done? I think we're done. Well, don't forget to air out your coffin. And in case I never make a legal will, I guess that was it. (laughs) Throw me in a meadow. There you go. Ditto. first time listening we are also available on itunes and google play and stitcher and maybe some other podcasty places in the future Uh, but you can check us out on those and also check us out on our website grossbod.com if you are interested in uh suggesting some topics or just sending us some feedback. I don't think we have gotten any uh, listener mail yet, but we would love to feature yeah, you if you want to send Yeah, we would totally them. love listener I mail. I think we only have like two listeners, though, so I'm looking at you. Maybe three. <laughs> 
Well, if you have any input, no pictures of dead bodies, please. But, but if you have a gross story that relates to something we talked about, we would love to share it. Yes, we would. And you can email us at grossbodcast at gmail.com. One other thing that I want to mention is that um, I would like to plug a super gross cause. It's not actually that gross. It's, it's great. It's a, a tiny organization that our friend Stephanie started called the Mount Vernon Period Pantry. And uh, having a period is super expensive. Anyone with a uterus probably knows that. Yep. And uh, a lot of kids cannot afford period-related things, and um, they are often like really picked over in places where you can find them for free. And so what Stephanie is doing is putting together um, – a, a large quantity of like decent quality uh, pads and tampons, and eventually maybe things like menstrual cups that um, or sponges. That the Mount Vernon students can just come and take for free whenever they need them, and they can come just grab what they need at the time, or they can come fill up their backpack and bring them home and use them whenever. And I think that's super admirable. And also having like big tubs of pads and tampons floating around is um, awesome for destigmatizing what is a totally normal human process so normal so if you want to look that up online there is currently a gofundme for it and it is also just gofundme.com slash mount hyphen vernon hyphen period hyphen pantry yay donate i'm gonna make a donation in our podcast name so you can too yeah we would love to get lots of donations uh, for our friend who's doing a great thing